0: Welcome back to the Pacific Rim Pro Wrestling Podcast, the podcast that takes you from across the Pacific Rim and all points throughout history. My name is Jim Valley, longtime wrestling fan, historian. I've done a ton of radio shows and a podcast for myself and the Pro Wrestling Torch. been a long-time fan since the the 1970s when I was just a a wee little lad. And we take you across the Pacific Rim, across the Pacific Ocean to Tokyo, Japan, and a guy who makes me look like a rookie. He's been following wrestling. He's written many books. He's written for magazines. He uh, does uh, podcasts. He does announcing for the WWE at times in Japan. He is our friend Fumi Saito, what's going on, man?
1: Hello, how are you? Good. Yep. Hey, Tokyo. I mean, hello from Tokyo.
0: So uh, <laughs> we just got through the uh, Super Bowl here in the United States. Uh-huh. Is that
1: a thing that people care about in Japan? Um, it was on t- TV, yes, and uh, yeah, just like the World Series of be- you know baseball World Series. Yeah, it- it's on TV, and I wouldn't say not as religiously big thing as what it is in america but uh, yeah we have super bowl on tv
0: what is the biggest tv event usually in japan is it new year's
1: uh tv event or sport event either one. Oh well, yeah over new year holidays the biggest holiday in japan just like your christmas holidays uh, or the holiday season, you know, end end of the year. So, yeah, but a lot of stupid TV shows during that week. So, yeah, I, uh, I try not to watch too, you know, too much. But uh, yeah, um, yeah, people are into t- TV. Yeah.
0: You know, speaking of speaking of stupid TV shows, I saw I guess would be like a like a hidden camera show in Japan where they found Kodobushi. Uh, Japanese
1: camera.
0: Yeah, he's walking down a down an alleyway. And all of a sudden, this big crowd of people starts chasing him, and he turns around and he runs, and they've set up a makeshift ring. It doesn't have a step up. It's just a wrestling mat with some, with some really cheesy-looking ropes. And Aja Kong comes out and starts trying to work a match with him.
1: Yeah,
0: it was just funny. You watched that, it was like on a YouTube clip or something. I laughed, I think it was on Reddit. Oh,
1: god, I'm just I've been trying to avoid those stupid game shows and stupid variety shows or Candid cameras. You have this, this is like the ridiculous, you know, TV show heaven here in Japan. So, yeah, I thought
0: it was pretty funny. It translated oh, okay. well. Yeah,
1: but, uh, it seems like yeah, he's. You know, also... Kodobushi
0: has done a number of those shows. I saw one of those, another like variety show where he
1: dressed up like a woman on stage. Ah, uh, I think he's like easy to be, you know, easy to use him because he looks like a regular guy. And he can be funny without trying, you know, and uh, he's today's kid. Or he just knows everything about those video games and computer games, you know. It really, it's like the kid from year 2000, you know.
0: <laughs> and the kid from the year 2000, we talked about it last week, uh, reuniting with Kenny Omega. or the the Golden yeah. Lovers? Is that what they were?
1: I'm not a big fan of that name, but... Uh, <laughs> I know. <yeah.
0: laughs> I love Japanese wrestling names.
1: Yeah, but because it's, it's, it's Japanglish, you know, they uh, put English word together that like a, they, you wouldn't use it, you know, but uh, kind of like. You know, you you say kamikaze or something or something stupid, right? And, do you think uh, –
0: yeah. talking about Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi, do you think that they're going to uh, just be a tag team for the year? you think they're – how do you think booking's going to go for them given, you know, just kind of um, typical Japanese putting, booking?
1: Putting Ibushi and Kenny Omega together automatically means they are the baby face, you know. But I don't think they will – like a form of faction you know faction or anything those two just together those two because people know history you know i mean not that all in a long history but uh, they you know they were tag team in another company ddt relatively uh like a more i'd say undergroundish, but a more cult-ish independent with strong following you know and Ibushi was found, you know, like discovered by New Japan, big company. and He was recruited In the same way a few years later that, that Kenny Omega was discovered by New Japan from that same group. They were meant to reunite and it's like a, wow, kind of like a two superheroes. Right? So I think that you don't almost don't need the program or a big angle to turn them, they will be automatically viewed as baby faces.
0: Now, on the, to... the, being the elite YouTube show that uh, yeah. the elite does, that the Bullet Club elite does, they yeah. implied that maybe the Young Bucks are going to be on the side of Kota Ibushi and Kenny Omega.
1: You know what? But you always have to take the, uh, Jackson's Young Bucks' own uh, YouTube TV program with grain of salt because that's yeah. not New Japan television. They, those two brothers, run their own show on YouTube, and that's not exactly, sometimes it's not, nothing to do with New Japan storyline. You know what I'm saying? They run their own angle constantly. Yeah, yeah
0: I I wonder, I, I, I took it with a grain of salt. I wasn't sure, and, and I think also I agree they, with um, what you're saying.
1: Also, that the Young Bucks find, they're pretty popular, you know when you go to house shows you know but uh look at where they're placed in in the late in, in on, on the big show so young bucks fine great guys great wrestlers young good looking guys but they are usually on second match for the new japan show and company hasn't done much to them now for them really but uh every time they come to japan well, they what well, they Come to Japan, what seven, eight times a year, back and forth, back and forth. They have, you know, video camera on their own. They run their own angles and YouTube. And New Japan don't seem to care about that. But uh, that is not really official New Japan storyline. So when they say they want to, you know, be sided with Kenny Omega and Ibu- you know, kota Ibushi, because they want to do you know, that's the way they want to. I don't run or that's how they want to do. But uh, I'm not sure if that's the company's, you know, direction.
0: One of the things we've talked about on the show a number of times is the rising popularity of All Japan. And one of the things you've said in the past is that in order for All Japan to compete, they can't just be a promotion that sells tickets and house shows that they need some of the marketing behind it that, uh, new Japan is able to afford. Well, and also as... they
1: need strong television. You see, right? they, they need, you know, strong television shows, you know, samurai, you know, some, you know, channel samurai, that's like a wrestling channel on the cable, but they run the, the like 30 different wrestling companies, you know, they, all Japan should not be one of the thirty companies that's you know, been, you know, it's on air. Then also another channel, Gaura, run New uh, All Japan shows once a month. And also one another satellite channel, Channel Eleven or something, they run thirty minutes All Japan show once a month. It, those uh, itty bitty small, you know, shows that uh, it's a lot better to have, you know, one strong two hour t two or three hour tv show once a week on stronger channel don't you think see when you are on samurai channel you know it's a 24 hour wrestling and mma channel it's like a just lost in shuffle not good you know and uh but good news is you know already that uh that uh all japan is starting their own in internet uh, streaming service.
0: So WWE yeah. has gotten just a little bit of traction with its streaming service with new Japan and all Japan. It's...
1: Not a little bit, but uh, that's strong over 2 million subscribers, right? In Japan? No, 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 no. In, in America, WWE. Oh, I was WWE, talking... oh, in, in Japan. Yeah. I was just talking about in Japan. Oh, uh, but the, all the hardcore already, you know, but, WWE Network, all the hardcore people they watch WWE Network here, not to watch just pay per view, but uh, you know how much Japanese wrestling fans love archives. You know, they can go in and watch all the old WrestleMania's, all the old Survivor Series, all the old pay per view is Stone Cold and Rock and the, the Attitude Era or. John Cena pay-per-view for the past 15 years or so, they Japanese fans love archives, and also they want to watch old ECW TV, You know TV shows, not so much WCW, but uh, you can also watch Von Erichs in there, and uh, yeah, that uh, all the hardcore people already subscribing WWE network here.
0: I know that uh, WWE just added uh, in the last couple of days. The uh, vid- some of the videotapes, the old Colosseum videotapes they used to do like beaters, uh, bleeps, and body slams. Some uh, of the Wrestlefest uh. cards and what have you.
1: Yeah, so it's more uh, basically Japanese wrestling fans, uh, you know, reading oriented and the more research oriented. Uh, they wanna, you know, dig out, you know, old videotapes that uh, see if you were say. 18 or 20 or 22 years old wrestling fan today. Hulk Hogan is ancient, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but the Hulk Hogan's heyday, you can actually watch videos. You probably have, you know, they probably have watched Hulk Hogan against Andrew the Giant, WrestleMania you know, 3. They probably already watched Hulk Hogan against Ultimate Warrior, WrestleMania 6 or something. But the... If all the videotapes and all the footage are available, they will study all those tapes, I think. So That's what, what do the you think? New, new, yeah, yeah?
0: What do you think about uh, new, of all Japan's entering the streaming service market?
1: Very good sign. Very good sign. But the weak point, they are not going to have any, any Misawa air tapes in there. They're not going to have giant baba Jumbo Tsuruta era footage in there. You know. And, is you know that because saying? it
0: belongs to TV Asahi or why is that?
1: Uh uh N yeah. T V okay. T- yeah. N T V Nippon Nippon TV, yeah. Okay. Channel four. Cause yeah, they if this you know streaming service is anything to do with Nippon TV, channel four. You can go go all the way back to Ricky Dozen, they have it. You know, black and white Ricky Dozen against people like Luth you know, they have it there, but it's not the same people. So, I this is kind of almost confusing when you say All Japan TV streaming service, you know, their own TV, own channel starting. All right, great. You cannot, you know, they haven't really explained anything about it this I believe this the footage is only just this version of all Japan you know what I'm saying yeah see what they because they haven't really announced the, all the details yet. they just announced that they are starting um uh, streaming service nine hundred yen a month it's like nine dollars so uh, they'll probably have you know good number of people but uh, they have not really announced what's in there. You know, but uh, I would, uh, I assume they don't have any of those Jumbo Truda or Misawa or Kobashi footage or, you know, Kawada footage or Bruiser Brody, Stan Hansen, the the Funks, the Milmaskers, you know, none of those are in there. I don't think kind of disappointing.
0: Yeah, I think I think it's definitely a prime selling point. I don't know if there's anything they can do about it. We'll have to wait and see.
1: Yeah, no they are not going to have it because this is this is a streaming service and it has nothing to do with nor or old channel 4 NTV footage it's today's new Japan I mean today's old Japan channel so I don't know how how many years they go back five <laughs> you know
0: so uh all Japan just had a pretty big show in uh, what was it Yokohama
1: Yokohama yeah 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 that's pretty much their big show, though. You know, they had that. Uh, oh, I don't know what the real numbers, but uh, they could almost say they had five thousand. You know,
0: are those uh, guys, by and large, are they able to make like a full time living working for All Japan?
1: I think so. Yeah, under uh, guys with under contract, yes, but they do use they do use a lot of freelancing guys. You know. As a, see Tajiri or Ultimo Dragon or guys like Osamu Nishimura. See, they don't. you know they are not really all Japan. You know, like roster, moba, big name freelance guest, right? Gotcha.
0: So uh, mm-hmm. let's talk a little bit about the uh, about the show. I guess the big, the, some of the big news is that. Uh, Miyahara and uh, Yoshitatsu are the new world tag team champions.
1: Yeah, and uh, there's a, the mixed opinion on uh, Yoshitatsu, right? You know, like some people say, you know, he's yeah, he's a big superstar, big name, and uh, it's, it's, it looks to me that uh, Kento Miyahara is really enjoying making a tag team with Yoshitatsu. You know, really enjoying it, and uh, he's the Yoshitatsu is kind of a wrestler that always have, you know, let's go Yoshitatsu, Yoshitatsu sucks type, type of chant, right? Because some people look at him as a big star. Some people look at him as a WWE failure, you know, or New Japan failure, you know, and a big name, but hasn't done much. But I think with, with this structure with new under All Japan, he will have another run. Really, this time, um, he will be used a lot better than uh, he will be used in New Japan's, you know, environment today.
0: Yeah, it was probably a, probably a good move for him to be farmed out or whatever the situation is with him being in All Japan.
1: Being, I think he is All Japan wrestler now. Okay. Yeah, pretty much. Because there was no. You know, sign or no evidence of New Japan signing, you know, January, you know, contract with Stats last year or this year. So uh, he, he, people may, you know, think Yoshitatsu is somewhat a New Japan wrestler. I don't think he's on, he's New Japan anymore. You know, that all Japan wanted to use him and uh, he's on every show. So it looks to me he's all Japan wrestler now all the cards are fresh just by having Yoshitatsu in there that uh, tag team situation or even single match situation or champion carnival kind of situation or the round robin tournament involving Yoshitatsu will be all fresh card in you know, a single match every single match it'll be pretty interesting
0: what the and things- this
1: year yeah. what about this year? is working champion carnival this year so it looks like more Nor involvement in there too.
0: Well, one of the things that kind of surprised me, I think, at the end of this Yokohama show was yeah. you know, we talked about Kenta Miyahara, Kenta Miyahara, all you know, all the last year and early this year, and it seemed like he was going to be the Joe, guy Joe Doring's big challenger. And then he got into the tag team with Yoshitatsu, they win the tag team titles, and then. At the end of this show, after Joe Doring, he challenges it exactly. Yeah. Miyahara challenges Joe Doring, so I guess it was—I I don't know.
1: He, yeah, but Kento Miyahara is like a you know good match factory guy that uh, he can have good match with just about anybody now. So I'd say um, on paper, Joe Doring against Miyahara single triple crown title match—it's done, right? It's like. It's overdone almost, but uh, the quality of match, is a quality guaranteed, you know? And uh, you should come to the building, you know, and see how popular the guy is, you know, during the match. He really generates a lot of energy, you know? It's, like, really promising, you know? Miyahara? That's a good feeling. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he can have pretty good match and just... Uh, something about his energy that that that's like a likable, yeah. So uh, the good match guarantee something that uh, Swama was lacking. That's what I'm saying, probably. Yeah, Suama, was- yeah, because Swama was promising guy. Like uh, they thought that he's like a revival of Jumbo Tsuruta type guy, you know. But uh, he wasn't. <coughs> and the uh, Miyahara, you know, can a better match with just about anybody. Yeah, quality of match is important here in Japan.
0: So we'll see important what happens in America, too. We'll, we'll see what yeah. happens with uh, with all Japan as we. Uh, yeah, and then also
1: on. all Japan is still have this like a, old fans have this strong feeling about the same logo, you know, globe with Japanese flag I mean Japanese map. And that's a logo we've been watching since I was, you know, we, I was a little kid. You know, it's it's not same as Giant Barber's old Japan or Jumbo Tsura's era or Misawa's era. Same name but a different company. Everybody knows that. But they kept the same logo, kind of like the same sentiment that the, some some of the older fan has with NWA or something. You know, when you see old AWA or NWA logo. You have this uh, somewhat romantic feeling about it, you know, you know, yeah. That's a sentiment.
0: So uh, and it's yeah, it's good week... to have
1: champion Carnival every year.
0: Right. They I think they announced the pairings this already too for yeah, yeah yeah two
1: brackets yeah yeah. So A zone and B zone and the winner A group and the winner B group B will, you know, have final, you know, it's good. you It's something you have to have every year, you know. Different people, different people, different wrestler different era, probably different fans too. But it they kept the name Champion Carnival and the same Champion Carnival since 1972, you know. It's kind of, big deal isn't
0: it yeah no i think i think it's a, a very big deal any any with we don't necessarily need to go through all of the all of the brackets but uh any thoughts yeah. on who who uh who looks strong for the champion carnival
1: Ooh, joe Doring's always strong yeah yeah Suama will probably be favorite in one and kento miyahara yes and maru fuji this year for sure Marufuji of Noah Pro Wrestling NOAA uh, working in a champion carnival tournament this year. So it's uh, more of a political sign that uh, New New uh, Japan and Pro Wrestling NOAA could work together down the line. Because Pro Wrestling NOAA is the same company, but it's not the same as Misawa and Kobashi era, right? It's more about skeleton now, you know. So uh, it's good that uh, you know if all Japan and progressing North can work together, and they can bring that uh, um, older fans or back, and plus they can create a lot of so-called dream matchup matchups, you know. Might be good. Might be good. And having you know Maru Fuji in the tournament. He's not going to lose many matches, obviously, right? Right. Yeah. So I'd say Marufuji would be pretty much a favorite of one of the bracket. Yeah.
0: I think it's interesting that both Miyahara and Joe Doring are in the A block together, the A bracket together.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we got to read some, you know, that the storyline into that you know one could lose to another on champion carnival's tournament but they can have different result in title match or vice versa see obviously there's going to be two single matches right champion carnival single match and the triple ground title match and they, uh it looks to me they all probably trade you know
0: and then uh, what about Zeus? He seems to kind of lost a little bit of momentum. Oh, yes.
1: Uh, he's good. He's good. And also he he and Bodyguard, his tag team partner, will be the first challenger of um, Miyahara and Yoshitatsu. So they will be working against each other for a while. He has to be, in my opinion, Zeus has to be a single, single match guy instead of tag team match. You know, kind of like, let's say, Booker T and Stevie Ray. You know, you have to break up that uh, Harlem Heat to make Booker T a single believable candidate. Yeah, I.
0: That's and a really he did great become comparison. better,
1: a bigger star by being single wrestler. That's this, a... yeah, that should happen to Zeus too. Yeah, that's pretty. That's a that's
0: a great comparison. Well, we had promised people that we were going to talk about Hulk Hogan in Japan. In Japan? Sure. Sort of his history of Japan. When do you remember the first time? Do you remember the first time Hulk Hogan came to Japan?
1: 1980, yes. Yeah, 1980. Right after his first run with WWF. Yes, as a heel, remember? As a
0: heel, right. With the rainbow-colored cape
1: and white trunks and white boots. Yes. Yeah, not yellow yet, you know. And after he came to Japan, he started wearing New Japan color, like black trunks. Then you put Ichiban on on that uh, writing on it. Then his boot was silver. Silver boots and black tights. Because, you know, at the time, New Japan wrestlers, Inoki, Fujinami, Choshu, everybody else was wearing black tights. So they... Stan Hansen, you know. So I guess he realized that the white trunks, white tights wouldn't do it. And that, that the very first tour he had with New Japan back in 1980, he had Freddie Blassie with him. You know, and then Freddie Blassie was huge superstar in Japan. And, uh, and Freddie, you know, Freddie Blassie lectured Hulk Hogan every night before the match and after the match. If you act like a star, people will treat you like a star. You know, so let's, you know, learn how to be a star. And, you know, walk, you, know you act like a star, and then carry yourself like a star, and then really lectured him. It made him star real quick. Not just physical thing, but the, the, the mental, you know, mindset, you know. Yeah.
0: And who did he? Uh, who he did he wrestle? Quick, that, that, you know? that first trip in Japan, uh, what did he do?
1: What? What do you mean?
0: What did Hogan do? Who did he fight? What did he? Does he? Was he a big deal? Uh, it was.
1: Uh, they, yeah, they didn't bring in New Japan Inoki Company. Didn't bring in Hulk Hogan as just another guy. They aimed him, to, you know, or they wanted to make him somebody right away, you know. That's a nice, big-sized guy, and uh, he was willing to, you know, have many tours. You know, he he was right after uh, his first WWE run, WWF run as a heel, and then uh, was not under contract to WWF anymore. And then New Japan wanted to have him under contract, and there was two teachers, just like I said, Freddie Blassie, and also he had Stan Hansen with him, you know. All you day lecture him every night, you learn quick, don't you think? No question. Yeah, yeah, because Stan Hansen already a huge number one American superstar. And he's the only guy who could probably beat Antonio Inoki. You know, Antonio Inoki, 1980, Antonio Inoki I'm talking about. It's unbeatable, right? Yeah. So at the time, like he probably didn't lose any single match for about 15-year period or something, you know? Yeah. And uh, yeah, learned real quick. Then also, how Hogan thought he needed have strong finish, just like Stan Hansen's Larry at clothesline. So he came up with ax bomber, right? Which is the clothesline. Yeah. Which is cosine, but uh, like it looks a little different, you know. It's the same clothesline, though, but you call, call give another name and it means different, you know. Well, it's, it's higher. Actually...
0: It hits higher on the head, like around the forehead. It's like that that forearm kind of where you you crick like your Like Larry the
1: Hennig, yeah, yeah,
0: like like Larry Hannig did, like Kurt Hennig did a little bit too. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. And I believe that uh, in hindsight, Kurt Hennig had some influence, too, because uh, right, uh, uh, right after the first AWA, I mean, uh, the New Japan tour, Hulk Hogan decided to go to Minnesota. And then he had an 81, 82, 83 run, you know? And uh, Kurt Hennig was st- still there, local guy. But uh, they sat down and talked, you know? A lot of people gave Hulk Hogan, young Hulk Hogan, a lot of good lecture because he looks like he can be a very big deal, you know? You can see that, you know?
0: Well, that's and, the thing. I think uh, yeah. everybody knew that he was going to be a star just, you know, because of his size. He uh, just needed a little bit more, a little bit more seasoning.
1: Yeah, and also, not just the physical and the ring experience, but it was uh, more of a training on mindset to carry a company-type star, you know? Um, What you need to be, or how you feel about things, or how you carry yourself, all those things, you know? And how Hogan just had it in there. And also, right, can't forget Under the Giant, under the Giant's influence, they toured together. See, all the time, under the Giant and Hulk Hogan, they toured together in Japan here, in just like three or four times a year, you know. And especially after Stan Hansen left and went to All Japan at the end of 1981, so 1982 on, Hulk Hogan became number one American within New Japan structure. Under the Giant always worked heel, but uh, after uh, after Stan Hansen left, Inoki decided to turn Hulk Hogan babyface. So the following year, the tag team tournament, Inoki and Hulk Hogan teamed together. It's a big, you know, babyface team, right?
0: Was there an angle where Hulk Hogan turned babyface, or did he just suddenly show
1: up and he's buddies with Inoki? Um almost suddenly show up like he went home for a while then came back for another tour but this tour he had the kimono on we say ichiban in the back and also that was the during 1982-83 run he had the movie rocky three that helped too you know turned him automatic famous guy baby face type american
0: Now, sort of, and also
1: had a program against people like Abdul the Butcher. You know, that will make you automatic babyface.
0: One of the things on uh, one of the Portland Wrestling YouTube channels is uh, Hulk Hogan in a tag team match with Playboy Buddy Rose.
1: Ah, okay, okay. What year was that? 82? 82.
0: May 12th, 82, 82 yeah. it
1: says, yeah. So I'm sure he was still kind of almost clunky or kind of, <laughs> you know, he was not as smooth, you know? No, but, but he was uh,
0: still, he was a pretty big star in 82 still, though.
1: Yeah, yeah. But the Buddy Rose, yeah, I'm sure that uh, you tr- if you, you know, worked with people like Buddy Rose, you learn quick. See, Buddy Rose, kind of fat guy, but the great worker. Great pump taker.
0: Yeah, tremendous. Oh, great bump- worker. Yeah.
1: Definitely. Yeah, bump. Oh. So you watch Buddy Rose every night. You can't help but learn. Yeah. So you talk. I'm to... pretty sure that the yeah. Oh no, go ahead. Go go ahead. To sure. Uh, no, No, I'm I'm pretty sure that the Kurt Henning um worked Oregon around the same time for a while.
0: Yeah, Kurt Henning came in like 1980, 81ish. Um as yeah. a, you know as a very not I guess maybe his rookie year not no not quite his rookie year but you know definitely not second still,
1: year third year yeah
0: yeah second or third year but you know still very skinny still very young right uh, right Buddy not Mr. perfect at all Buddy took very good care of him you know he was the top baby face for a while you know tag team champion Pacific Northwest champion they both you from know. Minnesota yeah yeah Minnesota guy Buddy obviously did a lot of favors for him and really really helped him out a lot as far as you know sold for him like crazy you know probably more mm, selling mm. than he did for a lot of different people i think he did an injury angle buddy did for Kurt. Ah, really? yeah they did a mm. lot of stuff like that yeah they did buddy did a lot for a very young kurt hennig
1: yeah because for small promotion the, the oregon was really good you had dynamite kid for a while yeah you know and, yeah, so for a relatively smaller company in territory, yeah quality talents, you know, yeah, and it right paid before well. they they went on and became bigger stars someplace else,
0: yeah, but getting back to Hulk Hogan, you mentioned yes earlier, uh, when Hogan first came in around eighty that Stan mm-hmm. Hansen was really in theory the only guy that would even have a chance. At beating, beating Inoki. and no yeah. and then Stan Hansen leaves, and I guess where I'm going is the first ever IWGP tournament.
1: Yeah, he uh, Hulk Hogan turned babyface before that, though, okay. and for the um, 1983 first annual IWGP uh, Grand Prix tournament. He w- didn't quite turn, but uh, he started working subtle heels like, to become a serious challenger for Inoki. And sure enough, that the final of the uh, first annual IWGP tournament was Inoki against Hulk Hogan, now serious challenger. Then you expect Inoki to win the first annual IWGP Grand Prix tournament? No, Hulk Hogan won, you know?
0: Was that how shocking was that
1: um it was uh more shock because Inoki did this sticking tongue out and passing out angle thing and uh he fooled enough people that the uh, real regular newspaper really ran his story that the Inoki got injured and knocked unconscious by hulk hogan and, and uh, his tongue sticking out and uh, all the ambulance and uh, late night news covered it and all those things Inoki almost died or something and, and it was a big thing and i believe inoki did it without telling hulk hogan about it so at what point you did hogan can go back and watch the entire match on, it's on new japan um New Japan World, you know, streaming service, all the videotape, or even up on YouTube too. I'm sure that the the serious Inoki-Hogan match, the way people and referee or Sakaguchi freaked out, you know, that Inoki did not clue in a lot of people on this. You know what I'm saying?
0: So explain. There was a explain.
1: Yeah, there there must be a two sets of finish there that uh, the one who told referee and uh, Sakaguchi and other people surrounding, but and probably didn't clue in Hulk Hogan. And Hulk Hogan probably wouldn't say it though, you know, because he was, then he would have to admit that he was fooled by it, you know? But uh, the way referee did not call finish right away and ask, you know, like uh, the way Sakaguchi, then Booker um, freaked out and, uh, You know, put Inoki back in the ring and everything and uh, to have him have him continue with match and all that things that uh, Inoki did not clue in a lot of people. He did it on his own, you know, passed out, stuck his tongue out, dead cold, all those things. And uh, it didn't look like how Kogan knew he was going to win. That was that made real big deal, you know. It was a big, big news. Big what did news. it
0: do for Hogan's career in Japan? Huh? What did it? What was the reaction? How much big of a star did Hogan become because of this?
1: Um, he, over, probably like household name overnight. You know, he was the one who finally beat Inoki for good. You know, was he something. a good
0: guy or bad guy?
1: Uh, strong challenger. Subtle heel, but basically babyface. I mean I guess kind of guy who would shake shake your hand after the match, you know? Better man win, kind of thing.
0: So the plan it's obviously important. The plan obviously yeah. must have been for Noki to eventually beat Hulk Hogan, I would think.
1: Yeah, yeah. And uh, and that was the same matchup final the following year 1984 IWGP tournament the final was the rematch of Inoki against Hulk Hogan again, but political you know landscape has changed you know because um, second annual 1984 IWGP tournament June of 1984 you would know by then Hulk Hogan was already WWF champion he, he he beat Iron Sheik January of 1984 he was already WWF champion and WWF at the time had a business you know, partnership with New Japan so he uh and all the w, along with all the other WWF superstars that they honored the contract and th- Vince McMahon was still sending American WWF superstar to Japan at the time. Andre the Giant still working, or people like Adrian Adonis, uh, Bob Backland, uh, you know, Dan rock or the, uh, uh, who, who else? Dick Murdoch. A lot of probably. W- probably Dick, Dick Murdoch. Murdoch. Yeah, but he's not exactly WWF. Well, he worked WWF. Yeah, at that the fan, but uh, yeah, but uh, he was always Japanese, you know, superstar, you right. know, Dick like was. But the guys like Dan Morocco or Sergeant Slaughter or Bob Duncan or, you know, WWF type of guy really, you know, made tour uh, to New Japan and, and they, they still had a partnership. So that the... Hulk Hogan being WWF champion was not really acknowledged. He was acknowledged, but he didn't really defend WWF title while he was with New Japan. He was always challenging still.
0: Yeah. So you got he, you've got the WWF champion Hulk Hogan in nineteen eighty four, who yeah, who is not losing to anybody. You've got Antonio no. Inoki, who also is not losing to anybody. <laughs> How do you get right. out of
1: this, Fumi? Uh, nineteen eighty four IWGP final? Yep. It was when they people had riot. They really had riot and then put a fire on the Sumo Palace because they did not like the finish. What, what they the, did what was the finish had had they had Choshu and Ricky Choshu and Masa Saito in a fair the match. And Ricky Choshu and Masa Saito attacked Hulk Hogan outside the ring. And somewhat somehow, Inoki was back in the ring. In the meantime, and referee counted Hulk Hogan out. Bad, huh? So Inoki won.
0: Did they expect any sort of, <laughs> of blowback from the crowd?
1: Uh, not as much as people reacted. You know, they—they. They I mean, how you know you have to realize how polite Japanese wrestling fans are normally. You know, I mean, how polite Japanese people are in general, but the uh, wrestling fans got real angry and they put a fire at the building, <laughs> you know? Were you there? I mean, it's just... No, no, I was in America, remember? You know, in I didn't know 84, maybe the yeah. Yeah, but I do have the tape and uh, all my friends were there.
0: So yeah. what did it do to, uh, to wrestling at uh, Sumo Palace?
1: Uh, they were banned from the building for a while. Yeah. So that's why they were using Tokyo Metropolitan Arena for a while. Yeah. Until they buried the hatchet, you know. But the see, Simo Palace has always been New Japan's big, like a Madison Square Garden type of house, you know. And they needed that, you know. Um, either Sumo Palace or Budokan or Tokyo Metropolitan you know building that is only like a three or four building that's large enough to have that kind of show you know So until the, Tokyo Dome Era
0: one of the things that's out there let's yeah. talk about before Hogan won the WWF title one yeah. of the things that's out there is that if only Vern Gagne had put the world title on Hulk Hogan on and the him. AWA yeah. and had yeah. only he done that and Vern this and Vern that, but the reality of the situation is something completely different. There was a lot, for one, there was a lot of politics involved, for one thing, because Hulk Hogan was a New Japan guy and Vern worked with Baba.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So so, so where are we going from here?
0: Well, I think we're going just that um, we're going with the fact that, one, Hulk Hogan wasn't going to uh, work for Baba. He was a New Japan guy. Um, Hulk Hogan was also making a lot more money wrestling in Japan than he was for Vern Gagne at the time.
1: Yeah, but he wanted to you know win the AWA title. And had Vern put belt on Hulk Hogan, he would have stayed in Minnesota. Really? He did. He, yeah, he would have. He liked living in Minnesota. See, the first house he bought was in Bloomington, Minnesota before he bought a house in Tampa, in Florida. He wanted, you know, he, he didn't mind staying in Minnesota. He liked it there, you know. He really did. And he wanted to be a booker with AWA eventually.
0: So, what, what yeah. happened then? What does Hogan tell you? What happened with Vern?
1: Well, Vern never trusted Hulk Hogan. You see, Vern Gagne was the type of producer and booker who would put Rick Martel above Hulk Hogan. He didn't understand the guys who is bodybuilder kind of guy, that kind of size guy, and old mentality, that uh, baby face champion should be smaller than the big heel, you know, like a sympathy, you know, big guy, all the big guys are heels, Ken Patera, Bobby Duncan, Sergeant Slaughter, you know, um, Jerry Blackwell, you know, anybody that are big and strong should be heel, you know, and uh, baby faces are Greg Gagnez, Jim Branzell, Steve Olsenowski, Young Kurt Hennig, you know, yeah, different mentality.
0: So when did Vince McMahon come into the picture?
1: Oh, 83, yes. Ended 83. The actual place that um, Vince McMahon and Hulk Hogan sat and signed contracts on a piece of paper was in Japan, you know? He um he, Hulk Hogan flew to Japan. Vince McMahon flew himself to Japan. They sat down and did the contract in Japan. And Hulk Hogan sent telegram. And <laughs> so outdated, huh? sounds, sounds bad, but telegram. Hulk Hogan sent telegraph to Vern that I am not coming back. Yeah. You know, this is old wrestling, old-fashioned wrestling, right? That, uh, believe it or not, Hulk Hogan worked AWA for two years without written contract. Got like a handshake, almost. All the buildings um, that uh, I'm going to appear, we're going to appear, That okay, you be there, I'll be there. When I said I'll be there, I'll be there kind of thing. And uh, there was a couple tours that... Uh, um, Hulk Hogan was working long, you know, like a four or five weeks, six weeks tour with New Japan. He had to fly back to place like Denver, Colorado for three days just fulfill his commitment, having you know title match, Hulk Hogan against Nick Bakwenko in Denver and Salt Lake City or, or San Francisco or somewhere like that. Have a match or two and fly right back to Japan and continue you with know, New Japan tour. They did a couple times, because yeah. so he I, had to be there.
0: After Hulk Hogan yeah. won the WWF title, what did yeah. he mean in Japan? Did he ever come back and tour with the WWF in Japan?
1: Uh, not right away, because WWF at the time had a partnership with um, New Japan, and in fact, 1985-1986 IWGP tournament was WWF-IWGP championship tournament, you know? Um, but they didn't have that many uh, WWF talent besides Adrian Adonis or somebody like that. And at, at the time, New Japan also had a deal with world-class Dallas. You know, Kerry Von Neer, Kevin Von Neary became regular with New Japan, 85, 86, you know? And uh, yeah, those guys were regular too. And uh, 85 on, Hulk Hogan started having less and less tours, you know? See, until then, you see, 1982, 83, and Hulk Hogan was in New Japan tour just about every month, you know? And, but I guess that's when uh, WWF was having, you know, running 300 so- shows a year or so, and uh, the Vince McMahon starts saying no to, you know, guys going Japan. See, Adrian Adonis told me one time that uh, his contract with WWF had a. Uh, That the one paragraph, you know, the, you know, Cloud saying that Japan deal is separate, that you can, you know, make your own deal in Japan. And then he had a piece of paper, like people like Adrian Adonis and a couple other people, but that became no, no after WrestleMania one.
0: So we should talk about this. Hulk Hogan, his style of wrestling and the matches he had in Japan, versus the batches, i think that a lot of people are used to him seeing we're used to him wrestling uh, here in the united states
1: Ah, uh, that's why that a lot of people don't think how kogan can wrestle right he can have decent well, actually better than decent wrestling match against people like fujinami masa saito you know or long 30 minute single match against people like antonio inoki it's hard to believe for American, you know, audience, but uh, when he comes to Japan, he really does wrestle, you know. But he was trained by people like, um, somebody like Hiro Matsuda, you could wrestle, you know, actually. Yeah.
0: So when, like Hulk Hogan came back, like I guess, the, with the uh, Super World Sports, was that, the, was that the, the next time that he came back? During his uh, uh, Next
1: time he came back was 1990 Wrestling Summit. Three companies, WWF, All Japan, and New Japan, worked the Tokyo Dome Show in 1990.
0: That's right. I, right after WrestleMania Six.
1: Yeah. And then uh, Baba was furious that that the WWE did not tell Baba that uh, Hulk Hogan was dropping title a month before that. So they brought Ultimate Warrior and Ted DiBiase match as a title match, so they were there. But uh, no, no, the main event for the WrestleMania, I mean, uh, Wrestling Summit at the Tokyo Dome, three companies, WWF, New Japan, All Japan, combined Show, kind of big deal, right? And uh, executive producer, at the, at the time, Inoki was already politician, and uh, he was not as involved. And Vince McMahon, um, took old uh, Japan and Baba as a partner on that show. They used new old Japan ring, but the rope they taped blue in a and blue and white Japanese ring, but with WWE, WWE logo. The main event was we remember how Kogan against Stan Hansen,
0: which you we know? talked about was a last minute main event.
1: Uh, last you know, God, it's so complicated though, 'cause it almost as if Stan Hansen stole it from it, you know, cause it was okay that he would, he knew he would have to lose one, two, three, you know, clean to Hulk Hogan, but he knew how to lose it and still come out of the ring. Like you, you know, man, you know? Yeah.
0: So it was supposed to be Terry Gordy originally.
1: Yeah, supposed to be Terry Gordy, yeah. Yeah.
0: So we've talked that was Bob's choice. We, we've talked about this match in a, in a past episode. One of the things I'm curious about, though, is what was the reaction of the Japanese crowd to Ted DiBiase coming out as the Million Dollar Man character versus...
1: Uh, very disappointing.
0: Yeah, versus the Ted DiBiase they, they knew years before.
1: Yeah, and then, and then uh, somebody like Ultimate Warrior beat Ted DiBiase in three minutes. Like a very one-sided match, like almost like squash fashion. Very disappointing. This, this is not the same Ted DiBiase that we used, you know, we're used to watching. He was single, serious single competitor, and also he was a serious tag team partner of, with Stan Hansen after Brody died. You know, Stan Henson, Ted DBS had a matching costume, you know, Texas, you know, chaps and uh, leather vest and the cowboy like Texas with, you know, a skull and the whole thing that uh, uh, Ted DBS was very believable and rightfully so. The very strong tag team partner of Stan Hansen, very strong. And he came back with Million Dollar Man with this hardcore fans read and watch videos calcium videos and all those things they knew the transaction knew he was million dollar man and what he was doing a couple three years before that but uh the way he lost the match against somebody like ultimate warrior yeah it was pretty disappointing And maybe that i might be wrong because there were new fans in in the building that who enjoyed watching Ultimate Warrior's very first, appear- and only appearance, you know, like a Japanese debut of Ultimate Warrior, somebody you see on magazines, you know, and somebody who beat Hulk Hogan, you know, champion. So this is somewhat mixed, mixed, but I think most fans, like a lot of fans were really disappointed to see uh, the way Ted DiBiase, you know, being handled and, and, and ultimate warrior or somebody like that will beat him one two three so quick you know but it wasn't the main event and there was also another match in the, the very you know first attraction that the giant barber teaming up with under the giant for the first time going against team like demolition and uh, they beat him you know and, and, and this, it, they had a feeling that the, this is a different show than we're used to watching you know Well, that was
0: kind of Vince McMahon's doing, right? He just, he didn't really adapt his aspects of the show for a Japanese audience.
1: It's wrestling summit, you know, and uh, you should have all the WWE element and you can still have some Japanese element and there was some experiment like... On hindsight, there was Bret Hart against Misawa, single match under Tiger Mask, you know? Now this is like, when you think about it, there was a single match between Bret Hart against Mitsuharu Misawa. It's like, what a waste, right? So we didn't even really realize how, we didn't really realize how big of a thing it it could be. But Misawa at the time was Tiger Mask going against relatively not so huge, yet Bret Hart. And they did the 20-minute Broadway, you know? And uh, they didn't realize, or I didn't realize, it can be such, a, this was like very important thing. Yeah. But there were a uh, good things too, that the peep, Japanese company emulated after this show, that the uh, WWE tradition, as soon as you you know you referee hit them at one two three, the winners' music they play. We didn't do that until then. Did you know that?
0: I did not know that.
1: Right. See, it's, it's a WWE tradition. Even somebody run in the making running, you wouldn't play music because it's uh, accidental or it's like a furious run in. Right. If you played the music, it would kill it. Right. But with WWE WWE's mindset, if Ultimate Warrior is making comeback for the WrestleMania Eight or something, his music would play. Yeah, yeah. But But uh, yeah, to bring up uh, the subject that, the, um, as soon the match is over, the winner's music would play. Then the you know, New Japan people or Mrs. Baba, goes ah, let's do that. You know, so then they start doing that right after that is that interesting?
0: So uh, after Hulk Hogan's match here at the summit, yeah, was his next one yeah. the tag team match against the Road Warriors?
1: Super World Sports, SWS, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. But it was almost erased history because SWS only ran, what, uh, two and a half years? Started out as a big deal, big money company. You know, Tenru was brought in and and, and, uh, they signed a deal with WWE, WWF, and start bringing Hulk Hogan or Legion of Doom. The Road Warriors were a huge star already in Japan, but being brought back as a Legion of Doom with that, uh, you know, different package. And uh, well, was that a Hulk Hogan Tenru against Road Warriors, or I should say LOD? Yeah, yeah, at the Tokyo Dome. Yeah, but it's, it's almost, you know, erased history. And uh, to be honest with you, I don't remember anything about this match. You know, just I remember, you know, watching it. So I can't remember anything. <laughs> it's, not, it's not funny. Well, it was really disappointing because sort of like the the Inoki
0: match, they couldn't really do a finish. And it wasn't, wasn't the crowd really disappointed? Wasn't it a double oh, real count out or something like that?
1: Oh, real disappointing. Yeah. Yeah. So but what, it was the way, yeah, he was trained. You know, Japanese wrestling fans were trained, you know. You got to have finish, right? <laughs> or you'd be so disappointed, you know. And sometimes you just cannot get out of it, you know. How are you going to get out of it, you know?
0: So when was the last time Hulk Hogan wrestled in Japan?
1: Oh, wow. It wasn't 2003, was it? I don't remember. that oh, about right. I'm god. It was it was it? Hulk Hogan against Chono. That sounds right. 2003. Hulk Hogan wanted to do the same exact moment from 20 years back. See, move the clock back 20 years. 1983, very first. First annual IWGP tournament. Inoki just standing on the apron. Hulk Hogan run across the ring, then give Inoki big axe bomber. Inoki takes big bump off the apron onto the floor, hit the head on, on, the, on the floor, and dead. Right, and uh, he, Hulk Hogan and Cho, Chono wanted to revive the exact same spot. And then Chono got up, you know. But eventually, that uh, um, Hulk Hogan pinned him. You know, uh, he when he works, you know, when Hulk Hogan for his credit, when he comes to Japan and work uh, a match, he really put on, uh, I mean, working shoot on. You know, have you seen single, um, single match between Hulk Hogan and Great Muta?
0: no i don't think i've seen oh wait yeah 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 i've seen that one yes
1: yeah um hulk hogan and was that a great move that was somebody against uh hair raisers yeah and how can yeah that and uh how hulk... you is he... when he comes over here and, and have a match he really put on a show you know He wants people to know that he can wrestle, you know? And he, I believe it, you know, he's not bad.
0: So what is his legacy? What is Hulk Hogan's legacy in Japan?
1: What is? Yeah. Not just as big as his legacy in America. And also, he did not, or he was not influenced by steroid scandal or things, you know, like a 1993 big... Not just steroid scandals, but uh, you know there was a you know like a homosexual harassment in all the you know like a twenty by uh, twenty twenty uh, show twenty minute you know show, and all those all the all the bad news all came out all together around ninety three, right?
0: Yeah.
1: And uh, Hulk Hogan's legacy was not influenced by it in, in uh, at least in Japan one bit.
0: Well, back then, the media was, was, it was very different uh, times, too, as far as media prolifer- proliferation and, you know, the, the internet was not nearly as prolific as it is now, so.
1: No, no. But it's a more tabloid mentality. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and then also all the different media was after Vince McMahon, right? And also a uh, following year in 94 was like actually – He was in that, you know, yeah, indictment. Just He actually had a court case. He was not guilty, but the court case was big deal, right? Steroid trial thing. And all the wrestlers actually testified outside wrestling ring. It it was like a real bad time for wrestling, wasn't it? (laughs) Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. But it was not really influenced by over here. not much, you know. And uh, yes, I think people like in, like in 40s or older really has fun fun memory how Kogan working in Japan, you know It was like he dressed up in kimono and had a Japanese costume and uh, even if he was you know already with WWF every time he came back, not the last couple of times, but he had, the, you know, this black trunks with Ichiban on it. And uh, yeah, and uh, he, uh, he he really cherished uh, his time with Japan. And I believe it, you know, that uh, people still look at him as a big, huge, American babyface superstar that uh, Japanese fans really loved. Yeah.
0: By the way, we talk about more Hulk Hogan in our uh, podcast. That was uh, December third of two thousand seventeen. Okay. So if you want to go back and listen to that, uh, we do have a couple of okay. questions we can uh, wrap up here on. Uh, okay, you could do the hashtag Ask Fumi. Uh, you could ask uh, Fumi questions. and okay. try to answer. We'll get back into that now that the busy wrestling season <laughs> is over. <laughs> Uh, But okay. anyway, uh, let's see here. That, let me get this one out of the way real quick. Two Sheds Eric yeah. wants to know, have you guys thought about covering the history of non-New Japan Tokyo Dome shows? We could certainly do that sometime. Absolutely.
1: Oh, the Tokyo Dome show?
0: Well, we're doing that. I think we'll have to come back to that later in the year, but non-New Japan shows as well. We could do those.
1: Oh, Tokyo Dome show? I mean, including like uh Fujiwara's Tokyo Dome show sure. or... Uh hmm, yeah. other Tokyo Dome show like SWS Tokyo Dome Show or There you go. We can get into that more or, detail. Or Sakuraba against Hickson Grace. I mean has Sakuraba against Hoist Gracie Tokyo Dome show. Yeah? Something like that. I think we Pride. can do that. I
0: think I think the answer is yes, we can do that for you. We'll do yeah, that. yeah.
1: But it is it's like uh your MMA Tokyo Dome show, you have two sides that uh, that uh, Takada against Hickson and Gracie and stuff like that is the Tokyo Dome. It was not very good memory for wrestling fans, you know. Wrestling fans attended, of course, you know. But it was the night they went home so disappointed, you know.
0: Well, we could talk about that. We could talk about the influence over, over pro wrestling, too. That's a good point.
1: Yeah, but that, the MMA and K-1 Pride era really almost killed japanese wrestling and wrestling had real dark period for like three years you know until new you know new new japan era came, you know with new stars like tanahashi and nakamura and all the new stars you know rising and uh, new fans see a lot of fans left wrestling after takada in hickson fight or maeda quitting you know retiring uh, and all uh, oh, the UWF myth was gone. You know, UWF myth meaning that the UWF and their, you know, spin-off company would be those people are the one who is going to make wrestling a real sport. How's that? <laughs> you know, we, a lot of people believed it. They are finally making wrestling a legitimate sport. And uh, it was a good theme at the time. They stopped bouncing off the ropes. You know, no more run-in, no more gimmicks. Uh, they, they just have really legi- legitimate-looking wrestling matches. And uh, UWF had the strong following, almost like a new religion, you know?
0: So we'll definitely do that in the future. Had a couple of other uh, questions here. Another probably yeah. quick one. Do you guys think Inoki will ever appear at a New Japan show again before he eventually passes away?
1: Ooh, uh it has to be very good business because um Inoki's people and Kidani's, you know, New Japan owner, um, they would not do business unless it's a win-win situation. And there has to be a reason that the Inoki comes back and steps step into New Japan Ring and says a few things. So obviously he's not going to have a match, he's seventy-five and the uh, reality is though today's new japan's fan base a lot of them don't even know it was inoki's company once upon a time isn't that amazing time if, marches like on. we said yeah like we you, know, you and i talked about i think once that uh, if you were 18 year old or 20 year old or a college student wrestling fan right now inoki and in inoki era or inoki's era's new japan as a whole, it's all ancient. And the funny thing is, though, um, you know, New Japan streaming service, New Japan World, much like WWE Network, they have that—that that, uh, they have all the Inoki's old matches in there as an archive. People are not watching. You know, the oldest match today's fan would watch as the beginning of new era. The oldest match they want to watch is 1994. Muto against Takada match. That is the oldest match they want to match. Anything before that, they wouldn't even touch it. That's today's fans' mentality, you know? You have to be older than 45 years old to enjoy, let's say, Inoki against Bob Backland or, you know, Inoki against William Lushka or Inoki against Andrew the Giant. Or let's say the one I like really a lot because I was like a fifth grade or sixth grade, Inoki Sakaguchi against Korogachi and Luthes tag team match. <laughs> that sounds too ancient, right?
0: Yeah, we all like our own things. Actually, that sounds really good. I'm going to go check that out when we get off the air.
1: Yeah, Inoki Sakaguchi against Korogachi Sak- and Luthes. Um, two out of three matches. And it was my very first experience. Uh, of tag team match, that nobody comes in save the fall. You know, the first fall was Luther's Greco-Roman backdrop to Sakaguchi, one, two, three. Uh, Inoki doesn't even come in and save it, you know what I mean? Only time you come in the ring is you actually tag your partner. You know, somebody does a big move and you come in and kick him, kick him in the you know, back or something to break the break the count, right? That never happened during that match. It was like, oh my gosh, I've never seen that team match like this. The second fall was uh, Sakaguchi's big atomic drop, boom, like atomic drop like a bar background would do. Sakaguchi's big atomic drop on Luthes, he pinned Luthes one, two, three. Koro didn't even come in to save it, you know? It was like, wow! <laughs> it's just different, different thing, you know? Funny, right?
0: So we've got a and question that, here about uh, Asuka, and I'll tell you what, what we're going yeah. to do is I think what we decided off the air is yeah. uh, as we get closer to uh, WrestleMania, I think the uh, story of Asuka will be more mm. compelling. And I think sort of like we went through the history
1: of Hulk Hogan, uh, this yeah, from a month from now, yeah. Yeah, maybe because, a month or so know,
0: from now, we'll do a show
1: on Asuka.
0: And yeah, because answer, answer even
1: for situations. the today's fans, you have WrestleMania April, a- yeah. April 8th, but uh, you have February 25th, Elimination Chamber, that would kind of change a little bit. And somebody people get injured, like Jason Jordan's injury is real, so they had to change things around. And there's going to be one more pay-per-view that's a fast lane, uh, SmackDown pay-per-view on March 10th. And what's going to happen there will will shape up. So there's going to be more storyline between now and WrestleMania. Two more pay-per-views, you know?
0: i forgot about Fastlane. lane you're right oh, my yeah bird. and
1: then also some people saying you know this year's wrestlemania will have undertaker against john cena you know and some people believe it's gonna happen some people don't believe it's gonna happen
0: yeah. so we'll do we'll do a show on Asuka uh in just a, in a
1: yeah a, in yeah because oscar is a obviously focal point of women's division in monday night raw yeah
0: we're gonna know? give her her own yeah. show is what i'm saying so last, okay, qu- okay. last question here for uh, Ask Fumi, and I think this is very is <laughs> interesting one. And by the way, if you have questions, you can hit up hashtag Ask Fumi. Uh, but this is a pretty good question. <laughs> okay. He asks, why do you think sons of Japanese wrestlers don't become wrestlers at the same rate that sons of American and Mexican wrestlers do? Well, first oh, of all, I don't wow. think any sons become at the uh, the Mexican wrestlers, because I swear like every Mexican wrestler in Mexico is related. So that that, yeah, that, is, yeah. that is a thing, a cultural thing, completely on its own. But uh, on the whole, though, that's an interesting question about next second or third or fourth generation. Generations, wrestlers. yeah, oh, well, I,
1: yeah. We don't have that that many. No, I have no idea. But uh, well, for uh, I can take um, example of say Sakaguchi Inoki's partner, we just talked about Sakaguchi. Yeah, he has two sons. And older son, Yukio, uh, he's now a wrestler, but not with New Japan. But right out of high school, he wanted to be a wrestler. And Sakaguchi said, no, don't be a wrestler. At the same time, Fujinami's son wrestling now, but uh, it's a different era. And, uh, yeah, uh, I don't know if he can you know, be as big a star as Fujinami or anything. And but those you know father and son combination run their own office now, so it's not obviously under New Japan structure or Old Japan structure. Baba did not have son, you know, didn't have any children. Inoki didn't have son, you know, didn't have you know like male children. Oh wow, that's true though. That's uh, But Hashimoto's son wrestles. I, I was yeah, I was just
0: gonna bring up Hashimoto's son, yeah.
1: Right, but uh, not until father was dead, you know. That was the day you know, at the funeral he decided to be a wrestler, you know. Yeah. yeah. That's a very interesting question. We don't have many son or second generation or third generation. Actually, Rick, you know, father of Japanese wrestling, son of Ricky Dozan wrestles and his son, Ricky, wrestles, so that's third generation. But not major star like Randy Orton. That's that's very interesting. Yeah. That's good but question. remember, we only have 60 year history or that's long enough. But uh, see, Japanese wrestling, you know, American style, obviously, don't start until 1950s, you know. you I mean, should have wrestling in the sun, too. Huh? Yeah.
0: You
1: know, yeah. That's
0: a good question. That's a great question. So. Keep those questions wow. coming at hashtag askfumi, and uh, that was a really good <laughs> I one. I did not answer. <laughs> well, that's I don't know that there is an answer to that one, but that's a that's yeah. a really interesting observation at the very least.
1: Yeah, yeah, very interesting. Yeah. Like a son of Inoki or son of Riki Choshu or something like that, right? Or son of great Mutao, you know?
0: So, you know, uh, I think that uh, I really enjoyed this show. Not that I don't enjoy all of the shows, but I really enjoyed this <laughs> one talking about uh, Hulk Hogan and getting in deep to the history of Hulk Hogan. Next week, yeah. you know, he just had his 77th birthday. Why don't we do the same thing like we did with Hulk Hogan and do it next week on Dory Funk Jr.?
1: Dory Funk, oh, very, very influential figure. Very influential. And also he was the one that uh, helped cre- help create... NWA aura, you know, older generation of Japanese wrestling fans still believe to this date that NWA National Wrestling Alliance was the biggest deal. I don't, I don't believe it though. But a uh, lot, a lot, a lot, lot of wrestling fans in Japan believe NWA was the biggest thing. Some wrestling fans in America believe that too, right?
0: Oh, absolutely, yeah, and I, I think with uh, Billy Corgan, maybe it's getting a bit of a resurgence. We'll see.
1: Ooh, that's hard. But uh, the, the, there is no connection between his N.W.A. And, and the N.W.A. we are talking about. You know, well, only I know. same logo. It's yeah, yeah. but I mean, uh, it died. Really, but some people try to connect that, right? Yeah. But it's good and bad because it can be very dangerous um, revisionist view of history. You know, because these and this N.W. and that NWA ain't the same thing, you know? But uh, we have this, like, a sentiment that Lufas, um Buddy Rogers never had a tour here. But the Paro Khanna, the Gene Kaniski, Jack Vrisco, Dory Funk, Harley Race, Terry Funk, Flair, Kerry Von Eric, all those N.W. champions came here and defended title and never lost. Well, besides Baba, you know? Yeah. Baba beat Jack Briscoe for the first time and became very first NWA World Heavyweight Champion in Japan. It was a huge deal. It was huge, you know? But we'll we'll go back and talk about Dory Funk because he was very first NWA champion who defended title um, two nights in a row. First night, Antonio Inoki, second night, Giant Baba when they were still together.
0: So that's next How's week. That? We will talk about yeah, do Funk yeah. Jr. and uh, all of that stuff. So until then, N-N-W-A.
1: If yeah. uh,
0: you want to follow Fumi on Twitter, where can you do that?
1: Uh, Fumi Hikodayo. F U M I H I K O D A Y O. And you can hashtag, Twitter. or you can find me Fumi Saito. Facebook. Facebook as well. I'm Jim yeah. Valley
0: on Facebook and at Jim Valley on twitter so be sure to follow us there please share the show let people know that you're enjoying it so we can expose this to to more people that would be <laughs> great and uh hashtag you know, yeah
1: you're in Seattle I'm in Tokyo
0: that's right and until next time
1: so long from Tokyo